I'm Henry Standage, and you're listening to the Western Science Speaks podcast. Looking at life through the lens of evolutionary theory can be a bit disorienting. Surely we're more complicated people, with more free will afforded to us, than simply just being programmed to survive and pass on our genes. Yet, it's an entirely necessary field of study in social behavior. Why do we strive to help others, and what evolutionary benefits does niceness grant us? Jeff Wilde from the Department of Applied Mathematics hones in on these questions in his research. He joins Western Science Speaks for a podcast about altruism, genetics, and how the incorporation of social media into our daily lives has affected our social behavior with one another. Here it is now. You look at a particular type of behavior, social behavior. Can you explain what that term represents? Uh, a social behavior is any uh, behavior that, when acted out, influences the success, or what biologists might call fitness, of the individual acting out the behavior, as well as the success of that individual's neighbors. The extent to which I might exploit some resource, maybe a fishery, is an example of a social behavior. If I'm selfish and I remove a lot of fish, then I'll have a lot to eat, and so maybe I'll have a really good chance of surviving the winter. But if I do remove a lot of fish, then there are fewer for those around me, and so maybe their prospects over the winter aren't so rosy. Really, most social behaviors can be thought of as being more or less selfish, or if you're kind of more glass half full, more or less selfless. And perhaps a better way to express this would be to say that social behaviors are really any kind of behaviors that could be organized on some kind of continuum with selfish behavior being at one end and selfless or cooperative behavior being at the other. And so how has this sort of behavior evolved since we've come to know life here? Oh, that's a great question. I'd say social behaviors have played and continue to play a key role in the evolution of life. And it's easy to pick out any number of social behaviors in in nature. Parental care, uh, dispersal away from one's birthplace, suppression of reproduction, and each of those behaviors have critical consequences for individual success in the wild. Central idea in much of my research is that individuals who act out various social behaviors, actors, tend to be genetically related to the neighbors who are on the receiving end of their behavior. So while a selfless act doesn't pay an actor directly, the fact that the actor has some genetic stake in its neighbor's success does in fact mean that a selfless act will pay off indirectly. Sure, the actor incurs a cost, but on balance its genetic lineage might be better off as a result. One assumes that we've gotten more nitpicky as time's gone on too. So at first it's survive and then, oh, you can't kill people. And then it's uh, don't eat the food while you're still in the grocery store. And then yeah, it's, there are certain social norms that I think we've, we've, we've come to accept and certainly social behaviors have um, likely become more refined uh, as uh, our organs have become uh, more advanced. I mean, we're very different than a little molecule of RNA floating around in a primordial soup. We have, we have um, higher cognitive capacity. I can remember what you did to me last week and I can mm-hmm. use that to inform my behavior. 
yeah. uh, going forward, right? So and that selflessness. So as a comparison, do you think cavemen hundreds of thousands of years ago were starting a fire for another caveman in the same way that you agreed to do this podcast? Do you think we're more generous now? That's that's a that's a great question. It's also a difficult question. I think uh, we have perhaps more opportunities to be generous now, um, whether we take them up right. more often than, than our, our cavemen ancestors did. I. Uh, all right. So moving on, mm-hmm. you're looking at the evolutionary advantages of seemingly altruistic behavior. What hidden advantages have you hypothesized or been able to uncover? Uh, that's a great question. Um, because at face value, many social behaviors, especially the more selfless ones, seem disadvantageous. And you know, explaining why these selfless acts, these self selfless behaviors, are actually advantageous is important if we want to understand life. You know, think about those those RNAs I mentioned a mo- uh, moment ago. Uh, those those things constituted the first signs of life on Earth, and their success depended on the selfless acts of those among them who acted as enzymes, right? The selflessness would have been open, certainly, to to selfish behavior of free riders, you know, selfish molecules who spend all their time letting others do the hard work, uh, the hard work associated with with replication, with propagation of, uh, you know, one generation of molecules to the next. Um, And these, these free riding molecules could have just sat back, so to speak, and, and uh, reaped all the benefits. Uh, we're built from teamwork. <laughs> yeah, but, but so why didn't these kind of free, why, why didn't these free riders really, really flourish? You know, why didn't selfishness prevail over selflessness? Why didn't the emergence of life on Earth simply just grind to a halt? Mm-hmm. You know, so like your, your question suggests, there must be something in it for these seemingly selfless individuals, otherwise, you know, why would they why would they persist over time? And my work really endeavors to explain what what it is that's that's uh, that's incentivizing selfless behavior. You know, not just for molecules floating around in some uh, molecular soup, um, but also for parents caring for their young, individuals risking death to leave the safety of their birthplace. Individuals putting off having offspring of their own, you know, maybe to even help others uh, raise and care for the offspring that they produce. Uh, in high school, I took a philosophy course and I was asked to write something and I ended up writing about, if so there's a stat that if the world's existed for an hour, we've been here for about the equivalent of a second. And there's something to be said about that when you have all these individuals trying to make themselves remembered throughout time, when it's, that we've been rulers of the earth for such a small amount of time, let's hope our species gets remembered. I think there's something to say about that prioritization of the species over the individual. So maybe it is more helpful for me to be selfish, but humanity thrives on cooperation and Hopefully we can stick around as long as we can through that. So, so I'm going to push back a bit on that on that sure. sentiment. Um, I think that uh, adaptations, um, behaviors, whose only advantage is to promote the success of the group, are subject are 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 vulnerable to being undermined. 
undermined by selfless behavior there. I think there's, there has to be something more fundamental uh, in it for selfless individuals or individuals who, who uh, act out selfless behavior. Um, and the central idea of, of my research is that what is uncovering um, the details of what is in it for these selfless individuals and, and really the detail that I, I hone in on is the, the benefits of promoting the success of genetic relatives. Right, and I was going to go to that just now. You're a mathematician by trade. How are you able to view these concepts through an analytical lens? And you just mentioned genetic relatedness there. That's one thing you attempt to measure, but what else do you look at? So, in short, like, like you said, I'm trying to under, un, uncover the logic that underlies a particular social behavior. And really, um, I, I don't imagine that animals in the wild are actually analyzing their behavior using some sort of logical framework. Instead, I'm working from the assumption that natural selection, right, a key force of, of evolution, will shape social behaviors to appear as if there's a logic mm -hmm. that's, that's underlying them. Okay, so to, to do this, I come up with uh, a list of, of pros and cons, essentially, associated with, with actions, and I'm trying to predict whether one of these pros or cons will outweigh the other. This is, where the, this is really where the math comes in. I use math to measure the value we ought to assign to the various pros and cons in our list. You know, first, I need to figure out the value that should be assigned to different kinds of evolutionary success like an individual's own survival versus its own reproduction. The math here is the same kind of math used by life insurance companies to attach value to risk. Um, for me though, I, I use math not to estimate risk, but rather to understand the different flavors of success in the wild. And importantly, the kind of value I'm talking about here is established by you know, Mother Nature herself. Uh, individuals have no choice but to agree on those measures. Those aren't the only measures I use, but they're, they're one key class of mm -hmm. measures. The, the other kind of measure um, has to do with, with private, what I would call private value. Uh, private value that an actor, an individual carrying out a social behavior, might assign to its neighbors based on genetic relatedness. Right? For this, I need mathematical models that help me predict lines of descent and ultimately the probability that an actor of a social behavior shares genes with the individual on the receiving end of said behavior. You know, so once I have all these values in place, I can put them into my mathematician's pros versus cons list and, and see whether the selfish behavior from the individual's perspective, not a group perspective, but an individual's perspective, is the you know, quote-unquote logical choice. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in the psychology underlying all of this. So how conscious are we of the advantages of some of these social behaviors? Okay, that's, that's a difficult question. And I'm not sure that we're conscious of advantages or disadvantages of, of social behaviors. But I think evolution has shaped us to react to social situations in, a, in adaptive ways. Um, maybe we don't recognize it, but you know, that the signs of our evolutionary past may still be there. You know, possibly the best evidence of this, I think, comes from experimental economics. There's this great game that economists often have undergraduate students play. It's called the ultimatum game. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a, it's a two-player, a little two-player game. 
Um, and each of, each of the players has his or her own role. One is we, what we call the composer, the other is what we could call the, the acceptor. So the two players are presented with some amount of money, let's just say 10 bucks, and they have to decide how to split it. The proposer proposes a split. Uh, usually it's just a simple split, like I'll get all, I'll take a dollar, you take ten, I'll take two, you take eight, and so on and so forth. Um, then when faced with the, uh, the proposal, the acceptor can decide yes or no, accept or not. If the acceptor accepts, then the, the, the proposal uh, is carried out and, and the sum of money is, is as proposed. If the acceptor turns down the proposer's offer, then both walk away with nothing. So from, from a rational perspective, you would think that if I was proposer and you were acceptor, and I offered to split $10 with you by taking nine myself and leaving you with, with a, a dollar or a loony, yeah. you, you should, rationally speaking, be okay with that. Because having a dollar is better than having nothing. Right? Mm -hmm. If you turn me down, then you get nothing. If you accept my proposal, you at least get a buck. It'll get you maybe half of a newspaper. Right? Um, but that's not how the game gets played out. Of course, not. they'd probably go for five five. Well, and, and and why do you and why do you think five five? Because you have some sort Steven. of likely likely, and I'll argue that there's some hardwired sense of fairness. Um, that, that's, that's driving that, that reaction to my unfair proposal. That, that I guess, from, a, from a, a, a naive perspective, is, is a little surprising, but it's not so surprising when you try to put that reaction into a broader evolutionary context, right? If I take my, my $9 and you take your $1, and I go out and I buy enough flashy things to attract a ton of mates, well, that puts you at an evolutionary disadvantage relative to me. And so it seems from that perspective quite natural that you would want to do what you could to keep us on an even playing field. And if that means turning me down... I was going to say, most likely if you offered me one and you're keeping none, I'd just go, no, I'll just cap zero. Yeah, and, and well, at, at, yeah, you don't have your loony, but at least we, we are on a level playing field. Right? Mm -hmm. And so from an evolutionary perspective, I think that, that, or at least an evolutionary perspective, I think there clarifies um, these, these sorts of otherwise strange outcomes from these uh, experimental uh, social setups. No, that's a really good example. I like that. And all right, so we know that there are some advantages in selflessness and cooperative behavior. But what about for the person who's being offered something to show trust and accepting? Shouldn't we be predisposed to skepticism? Okay, so you're asking a trained scientist, and I'll always say that skepticism is advisable. So, but if you're asking what lessons might evolutionary theory, uh, the evolutionary theory of social behavior hold for us, um, I think, I think um, one answer to your question could be use the information available to you. Right? Um, I, I think alluded to this earlier on in our, in our conversation, but um, adjusting your own behavior based on your neighbor's social uh, reputation can certainly be advantageous. Theory, theory tells us that. Um, adjustments based on past experience you have with, with uh, 
social partners can also be useful. I mean, there's a, a rich uh, set of examples available to us in computer tournaments played by digital social agents. Um, those, those tournaments have shown that having a memory, albeit a short memory, can actually help you. We have um, seen tremendous success of these algorithmic digital agents whose algorithm tells them Whatever you just did to me last time, I'm going to do back to you next time. And so if you're, if you're mean to me, uh, or if you were mean to me last time, I'm just going to give it right back. Mm -hmm. If you're contrite and you say, okay, Jeff, I'm sorry, I'll be, I'll be nice to you, then you, you, will, you will be repaid in kind. Um, so, uh, so yeah, having, having um, I guess, maybe not skepticism, but a, a, a short memory. Yeah. Short but gen vengeful memory. <laughs> right, forgive the don't forget. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> you're arrested development. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a billion examples, but for instance, if I'm climbing up a ladder and you offer to hold the ladder for me or help me out with something like that, what's the evolutionary advantage for me to accept that offer? Where I'm putting, I'm putting my fate in your hands a little bit there, but I'm also, you're offering a selfless act but then it's a difficult decision on the surface for me. Well, what, what's there to incentivize me from kicking the ladder out from underneath you, I guess? Is, is that, or what's disincentivizing me from kicking the ladder out from underneath you? Is, certainly, I feel like I would be incentivized not to betray your trust. Mm -hmm. If I kick the ladder out from underneath you and you manage to you know, fall to safety, then you're going to go around and tell other people what a jerk I was, and and that that's going to follow me around, lessen your value, reduce my value, reduce reduce uh, the likelihood with which I will form future social partnerships, and possibly come back to to bite me in the in the behind, right? Um, so yeah, they're all sort of knock on or or um, higher order effects uh, that could act as checks and balances to our, our behavior in any given scenario. As a 19-year-old, there's this whole digital landscape that people spend more of their waking hours on than they don't. And it's the pseudo-pleasant social media climate where everyone's super nice to each other on the surface all the time, behind screens. And I'm interested in what your thoughts are on how we interact with one another in that domain. And what impact is it going to have on future behaviors? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, certainly, it, these different social media platforms widen our social circles. I think that, that's, that's true. Um, and theory tells us that when our social circles get widened or become wider, that really sets the stage for selfish and possibly antisocial behavior. I've tried to take some of these selfless, selfish ideas and apply them to things like disease evolution, for example. And um, my, my research collaborators and I have, have found that when diseases can't spread very far, they tend to be less virulent. They tend to kill, at least we predict, that they will tend to, to kill their hosts possibly us, um, at, at reduced rates. As we start spreading disease uh, over broader and broader uh, spatial scales, uh, we predict 
that they will become more virulent. They'll, they'll kill us or their hosts with, with greater frequency. The, the basic idea being that if you start spreading diseases around, they are less likely to be competing against strains of diseases to whom they're related, to whom they're close related. They're away from their family. And when you're away from your family, when you're around individuals uh, whose success you have no genetic stake in, then you're willing to exploit resources, the resources around you at a very high rate. And if those resources are us, mm -hmm. then you know we're in trouble. And I can see parallels here between the predictions that we've, we've arrived at for disease evolution, this virulent behavior on the part of pathogens, and virulent behavior in social media platforms, and as we as we widen the scope of individuals with whom we interact, um, we have less interest in their in their well-being. Uh, it's harder for people to keep track of our reputations, um, and basically, basically, there's there's less incentive for us uh, us to be kind to one another. I, I mean, I can see you know if I look through through social media, uh, if I look at social media, social media through the lens of an evolutionary biologist, I think. You know, some of these measures that, that news outlets are taking to, to have people post comments with their actual identities, the, I, those are, are measures, and possibly positive measures, things that we could do to work against the, the uh, anti-social forces that might otherwise drive us. Mm -hmm. I think the thread between public value and social media has gone much uh, more prominent because I've met people in person, they've seemed low-key, they've seemed you know, uh, maybe a quieter person, and then I see them on social media. Oh, they have 15,000 followers. I've, I've judged them long. They're, sounds sounds super dark, like a Black Mirror episode, but it's like, oh, they're more valuable than I thought they were. And just in that, they know more people, they have more opportunities to do stuff because they have all these people following them. They have more positive comments coming through their streams, stuff like that. That's that's a great that's a great point. I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, keep keep in mind, I'm not of the age yeah. where where I would I pay a lot of attention to social media. Yeah, but yeah those particularly at this school, it's a big deal. Certainly, having interacting with high high status individuals, uh, certainly adjusting one's behavior based on on individual social status is, is adaptive. And yeah, that's a, that's a, a whole. Different ball of wax. Even if they're totally dull and you know they have that value online and they can give you a platform if they post pictures with you, it's a, it's a whole new world that you have to take account for. Yeah, I gotta get more followers <laughs> on my Twitter feed or my Twitter account, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to warm up and chill out with the Western Science Speaks podcast. We'll see you next time.